0: Hey friends, it's me, Colleen Maloney, and you're listening to the gift of purpose. I believe you want to understand why you're here. Everyone has a purpose. You are on a journey of self-discovery which will lead you to fulfilling your purpose while on your journey. Becoming the best me you were always meant to be. Your best self. If that is you, welcome. Let's begin the gift of purpose. Hi, friends. It's me, Colleen Maloney. I'm gonna chat with you today about my very first job out of high school. It was my senior year, and my friend Mary and I were talking about finding work. And Mary wanted to become a nurse. In fact, she was going to go to school to become a nurse. I wanted to go to school to become A preschool teacher. But unfortunately for me the program was full and I'd have to wait to the following year. So Mary heard of this job openings at this convalescent home and so we both decided to go there right after school. We both filled out applications and I thought for sure that Mary would be working there, not me. Because after all, nursing home nurse, it kind of goes hand in hand that they would hire Mary. But when I received the phone call that I had, received the new job, I was shocked actually. I really wasn't a nursing type of person. Like I didn't really think about it when I went with her to apply for the job. Uh, it was actually, you know, going to be taking care of the elderly. And so I started right before school got out. And then, of course, I had graduated, so I was free to be able to work full time. And they had all these crazy shifts, like 7 to 3, 3 to 11, and 11 to 7. And I started out with the morning shift, which I was so grateful for truly it wasn't my calling you know you have to clean them up if they have an accident or I mean we did like a A to Z there we carried up food trays to them and there was a stairs that we had to uh, I had to walk up the staircase to deliver to deliver the food to all the different patients and we would have to carry two trays at a time. And it was uh, like, if you're working the morning shift, then of course it's breakfast and then it'll be lunch. And the, back then they had these bells, at least at this, at this convalescent home, it, it they had bells that they would ring in order for us to come and help them. In the nicer nursing homes, they have the light, you know, that you just hit the light switch or the, uh, the button and then you know you see it on the outside of the door that the patient needs help but anyway I worked at more of a rundown place and anyway this particular day I'm carrying the two trays it with the hot coffee and you know all the goodies on the tray and on the stairs Somehow or another, I moved or I can't remember exactly what happened. But the next thing I know is the hot pot of coffee, which was about two cups, I think, was in these little mini pots. Fell on my arm and my, from my wrist all the way up to the, in, uh, on the inside of my arm, from my wrist all the way up to my elbow area. Uh, the hot coffee scalded me. And so now they take me to the well I oh no actually they just um put like vaseline and gauze on my arm and it absolutely killed. And I had um second degree burns. Thank goodness it wasn't complete second degree burns, but there was there were there were blisters. So that the area that the blisters were was second-degree burns. It was uh, very painful, I recall. So that <laughs> I, I definitely learned to be extremely careful when carrying the trays. I have to share with you, even though it really was not my calling, even though it was very difficult for me, I was 17 when I started the job, and then shortly right after high school, I turned 18. And that just wasn't me. I didn't really want to be working with the elderly. I truly wanted to be like working in a store because I wanted to be like in the fashion industry, except. I realized that wasn't going to happen. I wanted to be a model, but I still love clothes. So I was hoping that I could work like at a department store or something more geared to my personality. But this is where I landed. And you know, what's really crazy is after I started working this job, because like I said, I started before the senior year ended. My guidance counselor called me in and said, oh, I see you're not going to start um, school right away because your program is full and you'll have to wait to the following year for for a preschool teacher. So she said um, the company AT&T was looking for, for someone and she thought I'd be a great candidate for that job. And do you know what I said to her? Oh, no, I have a job already. Oh, my gosh. So that night when I went home and told my mother, she said, you go right back and tell that guidance counselor that you would love to work for AT&T. But unfortunately, I didn't have the confidence. I felt foolish to go back in there and tell her that I changed my mind. Oh, my goodness. I am. <laughs> those was one of those moments that if you could replay your life, I I just didn't realize that, you know, what kind of opportunities could have wo- could have opened up at AT T for me. So anyway, but like I said, so there I am, working at a job I do not like, and as time goes on, I really, I'm struggling because later on they start giving me all these different shifts, like sometimes three to eleven, and then and then, the next day. Oh no! Actually, started giving us double me double shifts, so three to eleven and eleven to a, to seven, and of course that was illegal to do, but they did it. And you know, I'm too young. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to really go about, you know, exposing or complaining about it, because I needed to work, and and, and it's part of being young too. You really don't always know the right way to handle things. And so one evening, after I worked there for a while now, um, uh, I don't remember how many months I had worked there now at this point, And the nurse said I could pass out the medications. And they were like little white paper, little cups, mini, teeny tiny little mini cups with with each patient's medication in it. And their name was written on the outside of this mini cup. And so I handed out the medication and I'm being really careful. So I thought, and I handed out the medication and then I get to the last two and I hand this woman named Mabel her medication. She was very with it. Even though Mabel, poor Mabel, she had severe arthritis i think it was rheumatoid arthritis and so her hands were all gnarled and yet that woman still could knit and her one leg was like like really stiff but it was it was like her knee was bent up like like frozen stiff like that and then her other leg she was amputated above the knee And she suffered severely and she would sit in her chair and she would knit. Well, when I brought in her medication, because, you know, it's time for them to get ready for bed. She looks at her medication and says, when did they change my pills? And I said, oh, oh, let me look. And I saw it wasn't her name. And now I had to figure out whose, whose pills did I give, you know, to the, to the other person who I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you my, it it felt like my life flashed before me because you mix up someone's medication. It can be serious. Serious, serious, serious. I mean, maybe even death. And uh, you know, I didn't really know what the names of the medications were that that these patients were taking. And I I'm telling you, I just was like frozen. I didn't know what to do. I was like, "Oh my gosh, if if I if I go and tell the nurse what I did, You know, she's probably going to be so angry at me. And then there was the other part of me that was like, oh my gosh, if I don't tell, one of these people could die. It was horrible. And then I, it's how, you know, you just flash the the consequences flash through, through your, through your mind. At least it did for me. And I just saw myself going to prison. That's what I saw, I'm going to prison. But I just could not allow this to be happening without telling the nurse. And so I went to the nurse and I told her what, I, what had happened. And thank goodness if I'm not mistaken, I I think she called the doctor and whatever happened, everything was okay. It wasn't like serious medi- medication that would harm the other patient. Oh my gosh. Anyway, that was frightening for me. I don't even remember. if And you know what? At the time, I didn't know. Like I said, I... I was 18, I, did, I was just out of high school. I had no idea that that was illegal for me to pass out the medication. I was an, only a nurse's aide yet. I had not become a CNA, CNA yet. That was at my next job. Um. But anyway, so I, I don't, I was f- frightened for my consequences, but I don't know truly now the ner- you know, that the nurse possibly could have been very concerned about the consequences that she would have faced by allowing an aide to pass up the medications. And this nurse was an RN. Anyway, so that was like two of the hazards that happened to me at this convalescent home. But I do have to say I had some fond memories too. There was a woman... And her name was Jenny. And every once in a while, even to this day, she'll pop into my mind. What I recall about Jenny is she had beautiful white hair. She was a Polish lady. She used Pons face cream. And I'm telling you, I think she had one slight crease across her forehead. She had the most beautiful complexion. And I remember thinking, oh, I better use Pond's Cream. Well, guess what? It didn't work like that for me. (laughs) So she just had absolutely gorgeous skin. And of course, I didn't really understand that sometimes you're just blessed with flawless skin like Jenny was. I don't really know how it started that I would sing to Jenny. And I would sing the song, Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer, do. I'm half crazy over the love of you. But I would sing, Jenny, Jenny, give me your answer, do. (laughs) And she just loved it. And there was like this special bond between us. Uh, So really, Jenny was like the highlight in my day when I would see Jenny. But now I'm going to fast forward, because remember I did not really like being a nurse's aide and then later being a CNA. I did that type of work for about a year and a half before I was married. So now I'm gonna fast forward to like, I think it was 2007, 2008 when the real estate market crashed. Now at that time, I was just doing my own, you know, I was working my own business as life coach, inspirational speaker, and doing spiritual guidance. (laughs) But when the crash came, a lot of people, I guess, I don't know if they lost their homes and uh, had trouble finding work. A lot of things happened during that time. And I actually my business slowed way down and i realized because you know you're going to pay for your food versus life coaching so i understood that if people only have so much money it's more like almost like a luxury if you are life coaching, if you don't have extra money, that is, you know, if you only have so much money, you're going to be paying your bills, you know, your electricity, your food, you know, getting car for your, I mean, gas for your car, you know, things that are like essential that you need to have to get by. And so I was like, oh my gosh. And it was very difficult that time to find work, but thank goodness that I had the background I had as a CNA. <laughs> now, the funny thing is, after I was married, I used to have nightmares that I had to go back to being a CNA, and I I just never wanted to do that work again. In fact, I prayed I would never have to do that work again. I think you're a special person. I mean, I was, I was good at it because I did have compassion, and I did care about the, the patients. I really did, but my heart wanted to do other things. Um, But anyway, I was fortunate, very fortunate, that in my background, I had those skills. And the reason why is (laughs) because that was about all the available work there was, was being like a caregiver in someone's home, that type of work. They were still hiring. And I remember going, I was working for this company and I stopped. I just did it temporarily and then I stopped. But then I went back again for more training because it was through the government and it was in, co- in home care. And so it was a blessing to me because I had work. Now, what really shocked me was that like a vice president I think of a bank or some company. I think it was a bank though. She was let go and she could not find work. And here she is in this class. (laughs) And we're just going to only make like $12 an hour. And yet this woman who made, you know, a very nice salary was now here going to be a caregiver in someone's home because she needed money to survive. And I remember saying to the Lord, wow, God, the work that I really hated, I just couldn't understand why I was doing this work because it, for me anyway, it was depressing to see these people sick and to see, you know, them dying. For me, anyway, at a tender age of 17 slash 18, it wasn't easy for me. Anyway, but when I was talking to the Lord, I was like, wow, God, because you see into the future, you knew there would become a time when I needed to have income, when there really wasn't jobs to be found. And yet, because of my background, from my very first full-time job, I was able to survive until things started picking up again. So I could make my my house payment. It was a townhouse. I could make my townhouse payment and pay my bills and do all the things that were required of me. <laughs> and you know, isn't it funny? I did not want to be there. I did not, I did not, I did not. Even when it came back into into my life and I'm like, oh my gosh, I never wanted to do this work ever again. But you know what I found out? That doing in-house caregiving was rewarding for me because I wasn't having to take care of a huge mass of people, but just one-on-one. And in that one on one, I became very close to my clients, and I also had God's favor because I would still come and visit my daughter Melissa and my granddaughter in Florida, and they would hold they would get someone else to um replace me while I was gone, and I'd be gone like possibly up to two months, and they would re- still request me. When's Colleen coming back? Can you imagine how wonderful, like I had security that when I got back, I still was gonna be able to go back to the client that we had this rapport. It was such a blessing. So anyway, to me, it's ironic, something I did not want to ever do again, any type of caregiving for the elderly I was placed right back in it. But I realized that God knows the beginning from the end. And he knew that I needed those job skills. At when a time would come in my life that I needed the money to survive. (laughs) So anyway, I'm sure you have stories of your own. Of different difficult times that you've had to walk through but the but the amazing thing was i still was doing life coaching just not to the degree of before so it still was it's still and i would just do it on the weekends then and i was blessed as a caregiver to only work monday through friday days shift and if i was working retail I could have never worked on like my speeches and just different creative ideas that were coming up to me. I, w- I wouldn't have been able to be as inspired because with retail, you work all kinds of crazy shifts and you definitely do not make very good money if you're just um on the floor, so to speak. So anyway, God bless you all. Dreams really do come true. And remember, miracles happen every day. God bless you all.